Welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron Dasher. And I'm Tammy Metters. And we're your hosts for today. And happy Father's Day to all the fathers and grandfathers and uncles and mentors out there. And happy Father's Day, Ron. How about sharing with us your best dad joke? All right, here goes. What do you call someone with no body and no nose? What do you call someone with no body and no nose? I don't know. Nobody knows. That was a good dad joke. <laughs> We're excited about worshiping with you today, but first we wanna see how you're worshiping together. If your group's gathered together in a watch party or maybe your family's in the living room, snap a pic and share it with us on social media. And make sure you tag us at newcity.us. Yes, please do. A group sent me a photo this past week of them meeting in their backyard and they were in a circle of chairs and on one of the chairs was a laptop for those who weren't quite ready to meet in person but still wanted to join by Zoom. And I thought that was a great idea. Thank you, New City, for the way that you continue to build a community where no one walks alone. But more on that later. First, kids, go give your dads another hug and let's get ready to worship together. so much for joining us today. My name's Jay. This is Courtney and Stuart. We want to invite you right now, wherever you're at, to give adoration and praise to God. Come let us worship our King. Come let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. Savior is done. See how his love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things.
Today we do, as in every day, we want to reflect on the goodness of God. And this song is one of my favorites because it talks about the very way that God became flesh. And he filled a gap that we as humans could not fill ourselves. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And as a result of that, we have the promise of eternal life with him. Death has been defeated. Be blessed by this song. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope and no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested, my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains My orphan heart was given a name My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested in my life Your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new life begins with you. Released from my chains, I'm a prisoner. No.
darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. When death was arrested, my life began. That's when death was arrested, my life began. For oh, your grace, so is In life 
Hey again, New City. That was great worship, and I needed that. It is so comforting to know that our New City family is joining together to sing, to worship all across our city. And the world. Our friend Jan, who lives in Cape Cod, has visited New City in person many times with her daughter. And Jan shared with us that she's been watching New City online each and every week. So Jan, I want to answer your question right now. Yes, we are going to be continuing New City Online, even when we start gathering together in physical locations. And I know her, so I have to give a shout out to my friend. Hey, Jan, I miss you. And you know, Jan even invites friends to join her in watching the New City service. In fact, she's even shared our service with a friend of hers in India. So you're right, it's not just our city, but also our world. Thank you, Jan, for sharing your story with us. And we know and we trust that God is at work in our city, in our world, and He invites us to partner with Him. And thank you for the ways you are partnering with them, New City family. If you want to give to New City and you call this church your home, the best place to do that is through our website, newcity.us give. Now let's pray together for our offering today. Heavenly Father, thank you that you do give so generously to us. And Father, thank you that you allow us to partner with you in the work you're doing in our city and in our world. Father, I pray that you would take these gifts, multiply them, use them for your kingdom. Father, be with our time of worship today. May it bring you glory and honor. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. And this month, Pastor Chris Payne is leading us through our New City Values in a series, Now More Than Ever. And for the past two weeks, he's been explaining to us what we mean when we say, Jesus is our King and people are our passion. And today we're looking at our third value, community is our design. So here's Chris Payne with part three. Welcome back to New City Online. And for those of you who are joining us for the very first time today, we're grateful to have you here. We're in a series entitled Now More Than Ever. And if you've missed any of the messages, you can go back and listen via our website or our app. You can also go further uh, with a sermon study guide. I wanna encourage you to do that today. If you're a note taker, there's a place on the New City app to take notes and to fill in the blank and to share that with one another. So I wanna encourage you with all of that. The series now more than ever is a series about our church values. And you know, values are really meant to be behaviors. They're meant to be a bridge between kind of what's in your heart and how that is lived out through your hands, through your behaviors, through your actions. I have a leadership friend that says it this way. He says, you know, your purpose, why you exist is really your being, your, your vision as an organization or as a person or as a family is what you're seeing, what you long to see more of. Your mission is how you go about doing that. 
And then your values, what we're talking about in this series, in this conversation together, is how you're living, how you're living those out and how you're living towards one another, their behaviors. And so our leadership here at New City has spent the better part of a year praying over uh, and articulating what our values are, how we wanna live out our purpose together and to do that in front of our city and our world. And so we've, we've come up with these four values that we're presenting in this series because I think you would agree with me that, that now more than ever, the church needs to be the church. The, the church needs to be the church fully alive and living out its purpose among one another in our city where God's called us to and indeed around the world. So, so four values for us, four behaviors, if you will, of how we wanna live out our purpose together at New City Church. And we start with Jesus is our King. And again, you can go back and listen to these messages from a couple of weeks ago as we've walked through them. Last week, we talked about our second value of people being our passion. And then community is our design, the third value of New City Church. And then fourthly, rounding them out, servant leadership is our offering. And so today we wanna to continue the conversation in our series, Now More Than Ever, the church living out who it's called to be now more than ever in this time, in this moment, with a conversation about community being our design. And before we do, would you join me for a word of prayer together? Let's bow our heads wherever we are today for prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence with us today. We thank you for the opportunity to join together today in spirit and in truth. We pray a prayer together that your, your presence would, would invade our hearts and our minds. And for those of us who are carrying deep burdens, deep concerns, disappointments, confusion, would you come and would you speak truth through your word today? Would you help us to live with one another in an understanding way? Your word says that we should live with one another in an understanding way. Help us to do that. We proclaim together today that your word is truth. And so we come to your word today for truth in a world that is de in desperate need of truth. We proclaim your truth today through your scriptures. So help us to hear your voice among the many voices that are clamoring for our attention and our, our heart's affections. Help us to hear your still small voice today. And we pray that together in Christ's name, amen. Several years ago, our family, was on a beach trip. I wish I could say that the beach that we were at looked like this. It wasn't quite this pristine, but it was a great beach trip and time together. And as a part of that time, we, you know, our three kids, you know, we were out and play, uh, playing most days on the beach. And our middle daughter, Marin, who it's hard to believe we have, a, guys, we have a high schooler now and a middle schooler and an elementary schooler. And it's, it's crazy to believe and to see how our kids are growing up. And I know your, yours are as well and your grandkids. Our middle daughter, Marin, uh, had this crab that she had found on the beach. And maybe this is a story that's been repeated in your family as well when, when you've been at the beach. So she found this crab, she's playing with this crab, she, she captures this crab, she's, she's taking care of the crab. I'm sure the crab would have a very different uh, version of this story and how his day was that day at the beach. But she finds this crab, she's playing with it, she's taking care of it, she has it in the bucket, she's getting it water and sand and, and food, and I'm not even sure what, you know, how you take care of a crab, but, but Maram was doing it, and she's such a, a caregiver uh, by nature. Anyway, we get to the, the end of our day, our time at the beach, and of course, she comes with the crab, Mr. Crab, in the bucket, and she asks the question, can the crab come home with us? 
can Mr. Crab come home with us and be a part of our family? And so we had to have a, a difficult conversation that day at the beach about how if we brought the crab home with us, that it actually would, would, would cause it, you know, to, to not be fully alive. It would, it would probably kill the crab. I tried to say it in a softer way. But actually, if we took the crab out of its God-given environment, that we wouldn't be able to care for it and it wouldn't be able to, to thrive and be, maybe to say it this way, to be fully alive as a crab in the way that God created it to be in its environment. And, and that, that story sort of gets us uh, to the point of community today and that being our design because God has created these environments for us as Christ followers to live in. And, and community is one of those essential environments. And when we, when we take ourselves out of biblical community, this, this God-given environment that he created it and wired us up for, there's a part of us that begins to die. And, and moreover, we're, we're not able to be fully alive without being in that environment of community. Community actually comes from, a, from two words. It's a compound word made up of two words. The, the first word being with, and the second word being unity. It's right there uh, in the word itself, with unity. And so with unity is God's way for us as a church community to, to live out our faith, to live out what we believe, which after all is what a value is. With unity is God's way for the church to behave. So if, we, if, we're, if we're not in community, if we're not, if we're not living with unity, there, there's something in our hearts that's not able to, to be fully alive and who God wired us up to be. Now, now, true unity with one another comes from true unity in Jesus. And I want to be clear about that because that word community has now become like a, a, a buzz word even outside of the church. But the way that God created true community, is it comes first and foremost through his son, Jesus. So we're not able to be in community with one another until we're in true communion, communion with God and true community with him. So let me say it another way. Unity or with unity with one another is impossible if we're not with unity or in unity with Christ. And the good news today, friends, is that God has made that available through Jesus and his perfect sacrifice for us on the cross. That when we place our faith and our trust in him, not in ourselves, but in Jesus's completed work for us through the cross, we're able to, to be unified with him. And moreover, we're able to pursue unity with one another. And in Christ, here's the amazing thing, in Christ through Jesus, unity doesn't have to look like uniformity. We don't all have to be the same. In fact, God created us differently. And, and in Christ, our differences become beautiful instead of becoming divisive. Isn't that good news? In Christ, our diversity can be a force multiplier for the work of the Holy Spirit within us and through us as we live a life of love together in unity. The very first thing, this is interesting, in the biblical narrative, as we come to God's word, the very first thing in the biblical narrative, in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, the very first thing that God says is not good is for man to be alone. If you have a copy of the scriptures, maybe flip very quickly, just go to the, the opening cover, the front cover and flip just a couple pages in and you'll get to the very first thing that God says isn't good. 
And interestingly, it's even before we get to the narrative in Genesis 3 of sin entering into the world by choice. Before sin even enters into the world through Adam and Eve's choice, God says something isn't good. Specifically in verse 18 in Genesis chapter 2, God says, it is not good for man to be what? To be alone. It's not good for man to live in isolation. And yet so many of us are alone. We're in isolation. Robert Putnam in his book, Bowling Alone, notes that over the last 25 years in the United States, there's been an 85% drop in attendance to, to group settings. He continues in his work by saying this, that, that only 36% of Americans regularly have friends over for dinner. Think about that. Even, even pre-COVID, how many of us were regularly opening up our, our dinner tables and inviting neighbors and friends to come and, and, and share a meal with us and fellowship together? He continues by saying that there's been a 43% drop in family meals just with one another, not just neighbors or other people coming over, but just families themselves sitting down and sharing a meal together once a week. There's been a 43% drop in that. Again, Robert Putnam in his book, Bowling Alone. Loneliness has become an epidemic in our country. And what's interesting is that we can be in a crowd of people or we can be on a social media platform full of people and still feel alone because it's not true community as God designed it. Remember, true community starts with unity with Christ, but then it spills over with one another. But we live in a world and a culture and even within the church that's so isolated. And many of us, many of you today feel alone. There was a follow-on report to Putnam's work, Bowling Alone, a, a report, an article that was done in the Harvard Business Review. And they, they suggested uh, two things to sort of re reverse the isolation trend in our country. I think this is really fascinating. The first thing they suggested was adults joining groups and volunteering. Again, this was in a Harvard Business Review uh, report about how to reverse the trend of isolation in the United States. And the first thing they suggested was, was adults joining groups of other adults, other people, and volunteering, serving. Hmm, interesting. And the second thing that they suggested to reverse this trend of isolation is to model that or teach that to the next generation. So join a group and volunteer, serve other people, and model that to the next generation. Friends, may, may, may I make a suggestion about how we can do that? How we can do those two things? The local church. The gift that God gave to us. True biblical community. The, the way that we would say it together here at New City is that you, you need to be in biblical community and you need to model that and live that out to the next generation. We need to pass that on to the next generation of Christ followers. And by God's grace, we're trying to do that as a church together. It's why we've, we've said one of our core values is that community is our design. We were wired up for it. God made us to live a life together with unity. He created a community of people that are called the church to live out our purposes together. And if God is our father, this is amazing to think about, even, even scattered all around watching today, if God is our father, then we together are brothers and sisters. 
Let's go back to the very beginning of the church, the very beginning of the, the community that God's put in place for us to live a life together of love with. If you go to the book of Acts, it's a, it's a recording, it's a documentation, it's a, it's a history of the beginning of the church, this, this God-given Christ-focused community. So if you have your scriptures, I want to encourage you today to open them up to the book of Acts and specifically Acts chapter 2. And Luke is going to walk us through. He's documenting the, the beginning, the birth of the church that we're a part of today as Christ followers, this, this God-given community. And we're going to look specifically today at verses 42 through 47. If you're turning there, you can, you can use the app and it's already preloaded there to follow along. And as you're turning there or opening it up, let me give a little bit of context to the passage here in Acts chapter two. Again, it's the very beginning of the church. It's the documentation. It's the, the history of the beginning of the church that we're a part of today, 2000 years later. And so Pentecost happens at the very beginning of Acts chapter two, the, the giving of the Holy Spirit to Christ followers. And then, and then Peter stands up with the other disciples and he delivers the very first sermon in the church. And he quotes from the scriptures. In fact, three uh, Old Testament passages specifically, one from the book of Joel and two from the book of Psalms. And he gets to the end of his sermon and he says, uh, it's recorded here by Luke and verse 40 and 41 in Acts chapter two, that with many other words, those are the, 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 the favorite words of a preacher, by the way, Acts, Acts chapter two, verse 40, with many other words, every preacher loves words. With many other words, Peter in his preaching, he bore witness and he continued to exhort them, to encourage them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Save yourselves, not meaning by your works, but save yourselves by looking to Christ. If you go back and read Acts chapter two, and I hope that you will, and you read Peter's sermon, he's, he's proclaiming to them Jesus through the scriptures and the, the evidence of his witness. And he's saying, so trust in Christ. And then verse 41, so those who received his word, Peter's word to trust in Christ, and were, they, they were baptized. In other words, they, they publicly identified with their decision to follow Jesus, which is what baptism is. And, and, and they were added to their number that day, the number of the church, over 3,000 souls. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So the context of the passage that we're getting ready to unpack about biblical community and fellowship with one another, the context of it is Peter preaching the first sermon in the church, pointing people to Jesus, because remember, we can't have community with one another until we have unity with Christ and communion with him. So he preaches Jesus. 3,000 people place their trust in Christ and are added to the number of the church, right? It wasn't through a, a, a class. It was through their unity with Jesus that made them members of the church, which is the same today. We join the church, the capital C church, the fellowship of believers and the community that God's given to us by our faith in Jesus. And we become sons and daughters of the most high King. And we become brothers and sisters with one another. And then comes the premier passage in the scriptures about community. And this is so interesting to me because many of us have been led to believe that uh, numerical growth or, or a crowd or, or a lot of people is actually antithetical to community. Or uh, to put it a different way, if we grow or we have more people, that will take away from the community that we have with one another. But this is so interesting when we place it in context, this notion in Acts chapter 2, because the church goes from around 120 disciples to over 3,000 people who are part of the church. And then comes the passage about community. So actually numerical growth or, or more people is not the enemy of true biblical community. The enemy of community is a lack of devotion 
or a lack of intentionality. And you say, Chris, where do you get that from? What, why, why would a lack of devotion be the actual en- enemy of biblical God-given community? Well, let's look at the passage. Acts chapter two, let, let me read it together, all, all together, and then we'll come back and unpack it uh, one by one. It, it, look at Acts chapter 42, or chapter two, verse, uh, verse 42, and I'm gonna read through verse 47. Again, kind of the premier passage in the Bible about biblical community. Luke records, again, the beginning of the early church, Luke records that they, the church, these 3,000 plus people, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. Verse 43, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and they had all things in common. Verse 45, Acts 2. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all uh, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, verse 47, and having favor with all, underline that or highlight that, all the people and the Lord, the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved." So, so, so it's interesting as we think about that word devotion and devotion actually being the key to biblical community, an intentionality, a devotion in our hearts to pursue it, to place ourselves again in that God-given environment where God has been known to work best and to grow his people uh, to be more like him. And one of those God-given environments, certainly as we read this passage, is community. It's our design. And so let's look at verse 42, this, this devotion that kind of predicated all of it. They devoted themselves, look at those words, and they devoted themselves, the first four words in the passage. There was an intentionality, a biblical community, community and fellowship with one another doesn't happen by accident. There's intentionality to it. You've got to be devoted to it. You've got to pursue it. You've heard me say it before, to, to live on purpose, which is really what a value is, to, to live out what it means to be a Christ follower. It's, it's easier in our culture to be a quote unquote Christian. It's much more difficult, isn't it, to be a Christ follower, to daily be taking up our cross and following Jesus and pursuing the Jesus way. And community is part of the Jesus way and it requires intentionality and devotion. So that's the first thing that we take from this passage that they devoted themselves to this God-given design and environment for them. And there's four specific things in verse 42 that Luke records that they devoted themselves to. Look at it with me quickly. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, so the, the, the teaching of the apostles and the recordings that we have in the scriptures, they devoted themselves there. We know that Peter was already quoting from the Hebrew Testament. He, he quotes once from Joel, twice from the Psalms. So they're devoting themselves to the scriptures. They're devoting themselves to the fellowship. In other words, to one another. They're devoting themselves to the breaking of bread. There's something very powerful and it's a spiritual activity to share a meal with one another and really be together at the table. And then they devoted themselves to the prayers. And, and inherent in that and inferencing is that in order to be able to pray for one another, you gotta what? You gotta know one another. You gotta know what to pray for one another. You gotta bear one another's burdens as the scriptures tell us. So they were paying attention to the scriptures. They were paying attention to the fellowship, to the, to the actual joy of being together. They were paying attention to the breaking of bread and the, and the, um, the, 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 uh, the sacredness of the table and the meal. And they were also paying attention to prayer and one another and each other's needs. We get a great framework here for what biblical community looks like because there's a lot of different activities and groups out there, but true biblical community, what we wanna see happening more and more and more in our church is really made up of being stirred by the scriptures, 
studying and being stirred by the scriptures, struggling well with life together. These are our words, the, the way that we describe what's happening in Acts 2.42. And in order to struggle well, you got to know each other. you got to be together. you got to put the time in. you, you got to invest in one another. you got to care for one another. But also... They, they were serving. And we know that historically in the church that the, the New Testament early church was serving in an incredible way, not only one another, but in their city and indeed all around the world. So they were being stirred by the scriptures as they studied it. They were struggling well with life together as they spent time with one another and they were serving one another in their city and their world. What an incredible, powerful witness that's very unique to the Christian church, to followers of Jesus this is what true biblical community looks like. And then let's, let's continue in the passage, verses 43 through 45. Luke describes that out of that community, they were actually you know, seeing all kinds of signs and wonders being done through the hands of the apostles. And they were, uh, interestingly, they were, they were bringing what they had and they were selling their possessions and they, were, they had all things, the Bible says, in common. And they were sharing life with one another. Now, some people think this, that this means communism. That's not what communism is. Communism is, is a, a forcing of, of selling your goods. And, um, and you're actually, you know, re- requiring people to only have a certain amount or you're, you're, you're kind of uh, regulating that, what they, what they get and what they give. There, there's, no, there's no regulation here. It's out of a generous heart that they're wanting to give and sell their possessions to help those who have needs. There's something very different happening here. The difference between communism and biblical generosity that's experienced in community. And that's what we see happening is people giving as they have. There's different levels that are represented here. There's different levels of wealth, but people are giving as they have to meet the needs of the community. And they're having a life together in common. There's a rule of life. There's a commonality of value together that we're seeing happening here that's so powerful. And then finally, verses 46 and 47, we kind of get a a summary of all of it and how it practically lives itself out. Luke records in verses 46 and 47, follow along here uh, here in Luke 2. He says, here's the pattern, right? Here's, Here's the pattern of how this biblical community, the church started to live day by day. They went to the temple together. They, they were breaking bread in their homes. Now, it wasn't just one home, right? Because how many people were in the church? Over 3,000. So they can't go to one home. There's homes scattered, inference, inferencing here. They're scattered all throughout the city of Jerusalem, meeting in all kinds of different homes in different places, sharing fellowship with one another in a, in a circle where they could know one another and be known. And, and, and then he says this, that they received their food with glad and generous hearts. There was a, a posture of their hearts of thanksgiving and, and gratitude and generosity. And that happens in the framework of community. And then finally, verse 47, I love this, praising God. Again, this is a picture of the early church. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. That's what God wants to do. He wants to grow his church. He wants more people to be saved. He wants more people to be in community and unity with him. God wants to do that work. And so our focus is not numerical growth. Our focus is being healthy. And as we're healthy, God wants to grow up his church. 
And so there's, there's, I love this passage, verses 46 and 47, specifically because we see these God-given environments that the church pursued and intentionally placed themselves in with their devotion. Remember, it's not something that happened on accident. They were devoted to these things. And there's three things, right? They, they went to the temple. So a good Jew would pray three times a day at the temple corporately. So they went to the temple and, and, and rose and stood there together in a large group of people. They, they were in circles, scattered all throughout the city, right? In different homes where they connected with one another. And, and then they were, they were out in the marketplace. I love, circle the word all there in verse 47. They were having favor with all the people. And again, we know historically that that, that was mainly happening as they served, as they took care of people that other people didn't wanna take care of. The, the, the sick, uh, children that were put on the streets, the church was being the church and serving them. And they were, they were letting their light shine through their good works so that people would glorify their father in heaven. It's a beautiful picture of the church. And it's a beautiful picture that we need to recapture as a church. Here's kind of the way that we say it at New City. It's kind of our, our biblical framework straight from the scriptures in Acts chapter two that we, we pursue worship, right? They went to the temple uh, in, in large group settings with thousands of people to pray and to worship. And that happens best in rows for us to be together. But then they, they, they were in community, right? They were pursuing and they were devoting themselves to community to circles and homes and breaking bread and fellowship and paying attention to the scriptures and struggling well with life together and, and caring for one another. And that happens best in circles of different shapes and sizes that meet in all different spaces and places. But where you can be with one another, you can know someone else and they can know you because that's the definition of intimacy, what our hearts long for, how God designed us, right? We were designed to be known and to know in community. That's how God wired us up. But it's not just a, a cul-de-sac, right? It, the community is going somewhere. Verse 47, they were having favor with all the people. All means all, and that's what? That's all all means. They were having a favor, Luke records, with people outside of the church, in other words. People who were not yet followers of Jesus, they were even having favor with them as they worshiped, as they were in community with one another. That was spilling over, if you will, in their acts of service and kindness and graciousness to their city and to their world. And they were serving in that way. And so the way that we describe that here at New City is that it's arrows being launched out, that it's going in a direction. You know, Jesus' final words and his great mission to, to go into all the world and to make disciples, right? To, to launch. We're not meant to, to just gather, gather. We're also meant to, to scatter. And so we see these, these three God-given environments right here at the beginning of the church that, that create a biblical framework for us to live into, to, to worship, right? That's one of the, the primary environments that God wants his people to be in, to, to regularly worship. He, he wants us to be in community, of course, where we can be life on life and, and know each other's names and know each other's concerns and cares and burdens and, and study the scriptures together and, and ask each other questions and correct each other and hold each other accountable and pray for each other. But we're also meant to, to, to spur one another forward, to encourage one another forward and the gifts that God's given to us to, to go and to serve a world that, that desperately needs to taste and see that the Lord is good. So, 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 so when we devote, and that's, that's our key word, right? When there's intentionality, when we, when we devote ourselves to God's way, to these God-given environments, this, this biblical framework of living life together as a community of Christ followers, God, God shows up. 
because we're placing ourselves in the environments, these God-given biblical environments that he created us for to be fully alive and to come even more alive, to, to, to be more like him, to, to place ourselves in positions and postures and places where God has been known to work best, beginning with the early church, worship, community, and service. And when we do that, again, God's able to do what only God can do, to, to grow us up as Christ followers, to disciple us and to make us more like Jesus and to, and to grow us out, right? To send us out, to go into all the world, beginning right in our own neighborhoods and to make disciples, to proclaim Jesus and the cross and the, and the one who came to unify us, not just with one another, but first and foremost to himself through his completed work for us. Here's the bottom line today, New City. And I love this. Lean in for this. Bottom line today, New City desires to be a church. We desire, we long, we pray for, we're devoted to, we're intentional about being a church where no one walks alone, where nobody has to walk alone, where we're creating intentional places for each and every one of us to, to receive and to pursue biblical community, exactly what's being described here, that God longs for us to be in because he designed us for it. Because after all, community, right? Community is our design. That's how God made us. Our New City online hosts today are gonna talk with you about some opportunities to go further, just some practical ways to pursue and to connect with community here at New City, even during this time of COVID where we can pursue and connect with one another and be in community. So I hope you'll stay on for just an extra minute and, and listen to those opportunities of ways to go further. Would you, as we finish our time together, would you extend your hands if you're, as you're able for a blessing, for a benediction as we go today? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and turn his face towards you. And may the Lord today and always, New City, fill you with his hope and his grace and his peace. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We love you, New City. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much for joining us today at New City Online. If Chris's message spoke to you about biblical community and you want to take that step, we'd love to help you start that journey. And it really is a journey and takes some intentionality, but let us help you get started connecting to other New City folks who also want biblical community. Go to the website, newcity.us groups, and let us know that you're interested. And if you're new here, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Text the word lobby to the number below, 704 228 We'll have pastors and staff waiting in a Zoom chat for 15 to 20 minutes following each service today. They'd love a chance to meet you, pray with you, and answer any questions you have about New City. We hope to see you there. Have a wonderful week, New City. We love you.